Bonaspiwe. Praise the Lord. Good to be with you this morning. And my name is Pastor Steve. And we're going to turn to the Word of God now and hear what He has to say to us. Lord, we come to you. You alone are help, our source, our strength. We depend upon you. And right now, we depend upon you to hear, to speak to us so that we can hear from you because we need you in our lives, in our week, not just in church, but in our world. Lord, we need you. Amen. So, we have had a lot of uh, special stuff going on. We had our season of prayer and sermons about that. We had a great picnic. And yes, the weather turned great for the Ultimate Frisbee game at the end of it. And uh, you can all join us for Ultimate. I can't bike now to Ultimate Frisbee, but uh, I'll still be planning to go when I can. We have a lot of fun back there. Um, and uh, also today, if you didn't get in on the kayaking and canoeing that we're doing starting down here, Jessica, why don't you, Jessica stand up. If you still want to go, I think there's still re reservations you can make for that. Talk to her. We'll be there at, for lunch and then canoeing, kayaking. Um, so, a lot of fun stuff happening, and the youth had a whole fun day yesterday with stuff, starting with weeding and going to parties and passing out flyers, and I appreciate the youth having fun with service, and uh, it was great, great time with them and the rest of you yesterday. So, um, uh-huh. It's working, I guess. There, all right. So this is where we're starting. You, you recall that we were talking about, <clears throat> um, we were in Exodus. Anybody really miss Exodus during this special season? No, no hands. Okay, well, we're back in Exodus. Um, so we, uh, we're back in Exodus, and we are seeing the next piece of what God has been teaching us as we've been going through Genesis and Exodus and there's really good stuff in there, and I, and I've been uh, I've been enjoying. You guys have been off Exodus. I've still been still been reading and working on it. Oh, maybe hopefully been praying. Okay, Tom Tom's been on it. Um, so my first question for you this morning is a simple one: What do you fear? Maybe we've asked this one before, but what do you fear? And the next question is why. Now I want you to think about this. And I'm going to have you share with somebody in a minute. Um, I have one more question for you. What do you not fear? And why? So you can answer either of those questions. What do you fear or what do you not fear? But the important part is why? So I'll give you a few, uh, a few things. If you haven't been watching the news um, or, or doing anything else, then uh, you know, just a few pointers. Um, I'll tell you about my encounter with a tornado in the pup tent next to my parents' fiberglass camper that was getting smashed sometime. But um, tornadoes are not a fan of mine. We're over blizzards, but we're, we're into tornado season. So, uh, or maybe transport is your fear. Or um, sickness, death, um, or someone close to you being sick or dying. How about bills? Anybody afraid of bills or unemployment? or school shootings, or guns. Maybe you're afraid that 
the government's going to take away your guns, or maybe you're afraid that your neighbor has a gun, or maybe you're afraid there's too many guns. There's lots of ways you can be afraid about guns. Uh, maybe you're afraid somebody's going to commit suicide. That's big. Anyway, um, maybe you're afraid of him. Um, or any number of other people in our world. Um, so on the front of your front cover of your bulletin, that is a missile. Somebody asked me, it's not a pencil. Um, it's, a, it's a missile. So, um, yeah. So what are you afraid of? Why? And what are you not afraid of? And why? Give you one minute to think about that. And now I want you to tell somebody about it. Group of three or two, find somebody. You might have to move to, to find the person you're going to talk to. Definitely have to turn around, I think, to be able to. Uh... Okay, as you're finishing that up, it shouldn't take long, right? Just short list? As you're finishing that up, if you would uh, turn in your Bible to Exodus 17. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right in front of you. Exodus is the second book. I know, I'm sorry, I just got you... Got you going on, on things, then I interrupt you. Exodus 17. Half a chapter here, starting in verse 8 is where we're going. So where we have been, um, quick over, overview, since we haven't been in, in Exodus for a while, Yahweh brings justice and deliverance to his people, Exodus 1 to 15. We saw that. We won't go into detail about that. Then we saw... Um, that uh, and we saw that I skipped a slide or deleted it somehow, but it was supposed to say Yahweh provides for his people. Um, so Yahweh provided for his people, if you recall, our bills have, a, have a, a person who helps us. We looked at the manna and the water. That was as they're beginning this journey to Sinai. They're out of Egypt. They're on their way. And the journey to Sinai, God showed that he provided for them by providing water and manna. And now this passage is about Yahweh protects his people. That's the message today. Got it? Great, we can go home. Um, do you really have it? That is not as easy to believe as it sounds. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had so much to talk about when we talked about what we fear. Um, to believe that God really protects me and really protects us, really protects his people, is not as easy as it sounds. Um, so, let's look at the passage here. 
I'm going to put the, so I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. The one in front of you is NIV. Um, they're all good. But um, verse 8 says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, they're not quite to Sinai yet, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. I want you to put yourself in that situation. You were slaves. You have been just kind of coming along. And you just got out of Egypt where you were oppressed. And all of a sudden you're attacked by these people who live in the, in the desert area, the Negev and the Sinai. And what are you going to do? Now, some of us identify that in different ways than others. Some of us have never been attacked. Some of us have been in the military or been in wars. Some of us are refugees from wars. Um, I know that some of us, I know Pastor Mike, we're, uh, July 4th, he was like, I don't like fireworks. They remind him of gunshots because he knows. Some of us have been in, so we have different experiences of what that means. But what happens here? Moses commanded Joshua. Now, what does Joshua mean? Joshua just shows up here. No, no introduction. Commands Joshua. Um, later, it talks to him a little more about who he was. But I think part of the point is that Joshua, his name was Hosea, which means to save. But Moses renamed him, we find someplace else, to Yahweh saves or Yahweh delivers, Yeshua, which is the same name that Jesus has later on in Greek, Jesus, or Yesu. In, in Swahili, it's all Yahweh saves. And there's a point here. This is really the point of the passage. Yahweh saves. Yahweh delivers. Well, Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Now, there's a couple of things there that we have to pay attention to that <clears throat> remind us of things we've already seen. Several times already in the book, we've seen, Joe, we've seen Moses say, well, first of all, you remember Moses? He was out um, watching the sheep and, uh, you know, keeping the sheep in line. And then God called him over with a burning bush. You remember that thing? And then he told him to throw his staff down. It became a snake. He took, told him to put it up. He said, go back to show that to Moses. You remember this? So this stick, just a random stick that he used for shepherding, became something that God used. Um, now, I, I need some help here. Um, could I have one of the African women come up and hold this microphone for me? Anybody? Yeah, thank you. Because we got our, God didn't protect our microphones from the thieves who took our microphones. So uh, we have to uh, do this a different way. Thank you. So Moses had this stick. Do you remember what he did with this stick? So Moses used this stick. Do you remember a couple times he, he raised it up? Now, I don't know which, which version of the film you've seen, but I raised it up. I don't know, it was two hands, one hand, um, you know, how he did it, but... He raised up the staff, and he, he told Pharaoh, remember, tomorrow the locusts are going to come. He raised his staff up, 
And sure enough, tomorrow the locusts came. Another, another plague like that. And then remember, especially at the Red Sea, he raised the staff up. And what happened? Red Sea split open. And then it closed again. Remember that? So it's a symbol of God showing up and doing what God is going to do. Right? So it's connected with the plagues that he used. He raised up this staff. It's okay. I won't hit you. Um, I don't think. No fear. No fear. Um, so um, <laughs> he raised up his staff. And, and God did stuff. So it's connected with it. And often he said, tomorrow this is going to happen. Okay? So you've got to come over here. All right. So I will stand... On the top of the hill. Now, the hill, we're already hinting towards Sinai. This is where they're going to be in the next chapter, at Sinai. We've got a hint ahead to, and holding the staff of God in my hand. Now, the hand thing is going to be important. The hand is mentioned several times here. You remember in the past, God's hand was delivering the people. Remember? The hand of justice against the Egyptians and lifting up his people. And now it's Moses' hand demonstrating God's hand in this situation. All right. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. So Joshua seems to be doing all the hard work, right? And all those soldiers are out there doing their thing. Meanwhile, Moses, he goes and watches from the hill. What? That's what you get when you have an assistant, right? Go, go deal with that. I'll watch from the hill. Um, so, so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. Uh, could I have a couple guys come up here? I need an Aaron and Hur, please. Anybody. Um, climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites got the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. That's true. Especially when you've been raking yesterday. But anyway, so Moses, um, Moses, yeah. So Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. Uh, maybe I won't sit down. But anyway, they, when they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek. Oh, thank you. All right. It's a little too. We're going to do this with two wheels, folks. Um, so, as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. Oh, excuse me. Oh, you got it already. Thank you. Got help in the back, too. Um, <laughs> after the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And you know why we know about the Amalekites? Because it's written right here that he was going to erase their memory. There are no more Amalekites for us to know who they were. And that's a long story. We'll tell a little bit of it. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner or the Lord is my battle flag. Katura, could you grab that banner? Thank you. Um, we get a lot of help today. And in case you didn't know, there's always a lot of help with uh, doing a sermon. There's always somebody, you know, Liz helped me find some images for this. And there's always a PowerPoint person. And there's a lot of people praying. And I'm always praying. I'm like, Lord, speak to your people. And I always know that I can't do it. 
but there's people praying that you will get the Lord's word in spite of me. And maybe with my help, too. So, um, so Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means Yahweh is my banner, my battle flag. He said they have raised their fist, their hand, against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. Okay, so that is an interesting scripture, isn't it? Kind of a weird scripture. And you come right down to it. What is going on? Moses up on a hill, having his... A little higher. There we go. All right, thanks. Um, I want to be able to see over my stick. So there we go. Um, He's up on the hill, holding the hand. So I thought I was going to preach about prayer. I thought it fit well with the sip thing, you know. Only problem is... It doesn't actually say he was praying. All this time I thought, maybe he was. It could have one time back in, in Egypt, he prayed and raised up his hands. A lot of times people raise up their hands, but usually that's not with a stick in it. Maybe he was praying. God didn't, doesn't even say that God told him to do this. But he did this, and the main point is that what happened in the battlefield happened because of Yahweh. The stick in the air just showed the connection that Yahweh was protecting his people, that this battle belonged to Yahweh. And you know, the guys who got sweaty and cut up and died, they needed to know that it was really Yahweh's battle and that they won, not because they were so hot, they were so great, they were so strong. This is their first battle. Now, notice this is the first time they fought. It's not going to be the last time they fight, is it? Joshua is going to lead a lot of battles with these people. They need to know now that Yahweh is the one who is fighting the battle. You need to know in your situation that, yes, you're going to have to get sweaty, work hard, do stuff, but God is the one who's going to win the victory. Okay? So it's a combination. It's a team effort of some people really working hard, and I don't know exactly how, I'm I'm sure Joshua, what kind of prayer did Joshua have? God help! Maybe what he managed. Um, Swinging your sword, it's not easy to, you know, have contemplative prayer. So, um, but in any case, whether it was prayer, whatever it was, God was showing that he was the one in charge of the battle. And that the connection between the staff of God, that Moses was directly connected to what happened in the battle. Your battle is going to be won by God. And you need to remember that and connect with that. So what's interesting is Joshua, now who is her? It's a good question. Um, He is her. Her is he. Yeah. Yeah. Um, her is apparently, I mean, if it's the same her, it, this is a son of Caleb and a father of Bezalel who, who builds the uh, tabernacle. So in case you were missing altars from Genesis, um, we're going to have lots of altars now because the tabernacle is coming up. Anyways, Caleb is his father. Bezalel is his son. So, by the way, Amalek, the next time Amalek shows up, 
is when they get to the border of the promised land. And they go in and they spy out the promised land. And the 12 spies came bu- come back. And you know what some of them say? Oh, there's all these really strong people there, the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Amalekites. And this had been written down. Joshua had been told about this. Joshua and Caleb were like, oh, yeah, we remember them. But don't you remember what happened with them? Don't you remember how God gave us the victory? So Joshua and Caleb, what's their message? Whoever they are, what matters is, is God with us? And that's the question throughout the book of Genesis. Is God with us? Are the gods of Egypt really the ones in charge? Or is Yahweh, who is Yahweh? And is he with us? And can he handle all of this? Really? Can he handle it? Um, so Amalek shows up again. Um, Saul has a battle with him, but he doesn't, he forgets that God wants to cut them off completely. He lets the king live and he gets in trouble for that. David has a good job battling him. Maybe there's even a remnant in Naaman, a son of the Agagite. Maybe he's, uh, the last of the Amalekites, son of Agag, the, the king. But in any case, that's kind of the end of them. The battle is fought and fought and fought, and then it's done. And you know what? We have a lot of battles, but one day there's going to be a final battle, and it's going to be done. It's already been fought at the cross and in the resurrection. Jesus on the cross defeated the powers and authorities. And ultimately, these are symbols of what's really going on is who is our real battle against? We battle not against flesh and blood, this government, my landlord, my boss. No. We battle against powers and principalities, satanic forces, the world, the flesh, and the devil are really what's behind the things that are opposing God's rule and God's plan in the world. It's easy for us to get worried about North Korea, to get worried about gangs, to get worried about what's really going on is... God's plan is getting done. So now, why does... Sorry, guys. I should have brought my recliner. Um, (laughs) Why does God get so upset? Why does God get so upset? I mean, these people attack his people. He is trying to keep... His, he wants his plan, which is what? To bless all nations through this nation. He is going to keep that on. And when people mess with his people, he takes it personally. I want you to know that. When people, not just people, but the powers and principalities mess with you, mess with his people, God takes it personally. And he says, I am against them until they are finished. And God is battling for us until all those powers and principalities. Book of Revelation has that final battle, doesn't it? Did you notice? They're finished. We already met the Amalekites. They've been defeated. The cross and resurrection's already happened. But you guys want to sit down? Um, I, I could probably do the rest of this. Okay, thank you. Um. Maybe not. 
I would if it was on four legs, but two legs is a little tough. So, um, thank you guys. So, God takes it personally, and he is defending us. Thank you to all of you. And, and uh, yeah, the banner. We might need it. We'll just be, 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 be handy. Um, so now, I was also going to talk about this in terms of spiritual warfare. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, when we talk about spiritual warfare, and I, I mean, I, I wrote a whole section of my dissertation about spiritual warfare. I had a lot of Africans teach me some other things about spiritual warfare. It's something I was primed to teach maybe a series on. And then I looked at this and I thought, you know, it isn't even clear exactly that it's about spiritual warfare. It, maybe it's about, because here's the problem. When we start talking about spiritual warfare, say spiritual, and it gets confined to this part of my life. Oh, <clears throat> spiritual warfare to deal with my spiritual life, which is like 10% of my life. What about the rest of my life? And here's the other problem we have with spiritual warfare. Um, so, yeah, there's the missile. I, I want you to notice, though, how God does spiritual warfare. Moses walks in to the greatest power in his time in terms of economics, military, gods, you name it. What does he walk in with? A tank, an F-16, a stick. And Pharaoh's like, excuse me? <laughs> and he says, Yahweh tells you to let my people go. And Pharaoh says, Who's Yahweh? Why should I let my people? I don't. Why? No. I don't think so. You got a stick? Wow. I got sticks too. He brings in his magicians and they throw their sticks down. It turns out that Moses' monstrous snakes eats all the other monstrous snakes. Eat, you know, Pharaoh could have taken the tip and just got on with it, but he doesn't. God wants to demonstrate that he is the creator. So here's another thing that we get wrong with spiritual warfare. Wrong. This is not some kind of messling, you know, ooh, is Jesus going to win or is Satan going to win? It's, oh, I got to pray harder. I got to yell louder because Jesus can win. Folks, this is like a battle. God created Satan and all the demons. So this is like a battle between me and my pen. Who, who's going to win? I don't know. Don't. Oh, got it. It's not a battle. It's not a contest. Satan is alive because God lets him be alive. Don't know exactly why. Maybe, maybe he loves him. I don't know. He, uh, maybe he's got some purpose for him. That is not... The way spiritual warfare goes. It's not an all-star wrestling match. It's God is in charge. He's given us some power to rebel, and he's let us do that. And he's in the process of dealing with our rebellion. And we are being enticed by Satan. We're being tempted, deceived, accused, so that we... Turn away from God. That's the question. Are we going to depend on God or not? 
But the question really isn't, am I going to have enough for my job? Or th Those are all things that Satan is trying to do his thing in, God's trying to do his thing in. The things we encounter in life are about increasing trust in God, in Yahweh, or something else. Um, so, protection from violence. Do I trust God? Or gates and guns and government? So if I don't fear something, here's where it got me. I was like, actually, Justin helped me with this last night. He's like, so, so why? You know, he admitted that he's in, he's in Uganda, and he feels good because he's got a U.S. passport. I did too. You know, I wasn't going to give up my U.S. passport any too easily because it got me places that I couldn't get other times. Some of you remember before and after you had a U.S. passport, <laughs> right? And some of you, the gates were locking you into a refugee camp. I could be in East Africa and, you know, I there was always that thing of, well... I could probably be evacuated if it got too bad. Was I trusting God to protect me? Or was I trusting that I was a U.S. citizen and that was going to protect me? That people would honor me. Now, I'll be honest. I, I like police in the United States way better. That, just saying. Sorry. I don't know if any of you East Africans like police in, in uh, Congo better. But uh, <laughs> or I like soldiers in America better than Congo. Um, and I, I appreciate that I don't have to have a gate around my house, uh, a fence, and I don't have to pay a guard at night, and I don't have to have a guard dog anymore. I, I did that because I needed it. Because I couldn't rely on the police. And uh, so I did that. So did anybody else who could afford it. Um, so I'm, I appreciate that about here. But am I not afraid because we have good police? Am I not afraid because I got a gun under my mattress? Am I not afraid because of I know my neighbors, I have lots of family? Uh, what, what is it that makes you not afraid? Are you not afraid you're going to lose your job because of your education or because of you're going to be able to pay your bills because you've got a good job? Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll be okay because all these people at Bethel Christian Fellowship love me even when I push their buttons and press them. You know, I, this, so this is going to be a hard one, folks. I, I, I've been struggling with myself. So um, why am I not afraid? Or why am I afraid? Um, those are things that, and uh, so this kind of messed with me. So when we do monuments, this is a monument to the war in Afghanistan, except it's in Russia. So they have a monument to all the people they lost in Afghanistan. We do monuments, do we, who do we honor? When we build an altar, what do we make our altars out of? Usually our weapons, right? Or something like that. What, what's the point of our altars and our memorials that we built? Is it Yahweh 
one Yahweh delivered us, or is it we did it? We sacrificed. We had the better technology. We, what do we trust? Am I trusting guns? Um, and who's your battle flag? Sorry, I'm really messing with things. Can you get that flag again? We sing about the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. And that's good. I'm proud to be an American. But we don't even sing, God bless America, land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. We don't even acknowledge that it wasn't the flag that saved us. If we're here, if we're blessed, if we're protected, it is because Yahweh has protected us. He is the King of Kings. Yahweh is our battle flag that we need to rally around. If I'm protected, it's not because of some of the other things I actually depend on. Um, thank you. I guess, it, yeah, okay, that's okay. So Yahweh is our banner. Interesting thing, about, if you look at this picture, there's another flag up above that one on the back. But <laughs> anyway, Yahweh is our banner. Yahweh is the king of kings. Yahweh is the one who we can depend on. How much do guns gates... Okay, you can, you can put it down or put it over there. People, people can see that. I don't know. But if you can hold it over there, that's good. Keep it there. Keep it right there. Can you guys see? As long as you can see, that's good. How much do guns gates government cost us? Well, the United States spends more on defense than the next seven countries combined. In Tanzania, Tanzania spent a dollar on defense per year. Um, we'll get to what we spend. So 700 million for Department of Defense, but actually there's other things in other departments. Estimated US military spending is $886 billion. That means you spent $1,859 each year because we are safe, right? Is that, that's what it costs us to be protected by the US government with military. Um, Gates, like I said, in East Africa, they had a gate and a guard. In the U.S., I love having a yard, but I still have a gate and a guard. Keeping some of us in prison is one of the ways that I'm supposed to be kept safe. And people keep reminding me, anytime I try to leave that, they say, oh, be afraid, so you can vote for me, right? So there's, um, what does that cost us? Seven times increase in 40 years so that we now have 25% of the world's prisoners. Only 5% of the population, but we have 25% of the world's prisoners because of mandatory sentencing and other things. Violent crimes are the same as they were 40 years ago, the same number of prisoners for violent crimes, but 145% increase in drugs and immigration imprisonments. People are there because they had drugs on them, because they had immigration problems. And uh, so what does that cost us? $80 billion. But that's not the total cost. Over 10,000 Minnesotans, 500 more than there's actually space for, are in prison. That means that the best prisoners are in local jails someplace, and they, they're you know, not enough beds for people, and that cost us $40,000 each year for each one of them. 
and average people are going to be so over half are parents 66% are fathers 75% are mothers so that means we have to count some of the other costs the full cost somebody has estimated at 1.2 trillion dollars for example $40,000 for foster care for each of the kids that has to be taken care of for the trauma that happens to those kids what does it cost after all this so I I still got guards and gates it's just they're more convenient they don't they're not in my view what am I depending on to protect me so I'm and am I doing what Jesus said going and visiting them so what can I do I, well I can trust God instead I don't have to be pushed around by fear every time somebody says well you gotta we have to have mandatory sentencing we gotta have you know vote for this vote for that because otherwise and this now this isn't about partisan stuff okay I know I'm messing with things that politicians also talk about but all the politicians do this to us and there's other people pushing the politicians to do that so they can make money um, listen to the Bible we all we talk about what the law says we talk about what the Constitution says what does the Bible say about violence about what we should do um, we need to visit soldiers prisoners families Jesus said you visited me to be honest I haven't visited many prisoners well here anyways in East Africa did a little more since I've been back I haven't visited a prisoner I'm paying for him to be kept there out of sight out of mind so that I don't have to think about what he's going through what his family's going through I'm not visiting his family I'm not visiting him that makes it easier for me not to think about it um, but it doesn't make it easier for his family it doesn't make it easier for soldiers just because oh they're off someplace else doing that the suicide rates tell us that um, but then that's not just soldiers 40% increase in suicide rates in Minnesota plus for over 40 in the last just 17 years you want someone to be afraid of you afraid that somebody near you is gonna be commit suicide uh, there's a lot so we can pray <laughs> whether his stick was up and he was praying or he was <laughs> we can pray we can depend on God um, um, just a reminder I already mentioned this but a final word be strong and in the Lord and in his mighty power put on all of God's power so that armor so that you can be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places it goes through the list of the armor and it says especially pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion pray for me too that I can be bold Paul says so this is not about the Democrats or the Republicans or about the government or about Minnesota who gets this is not really about any other government keep in mind too that this is all of God's people all over the world it's not just about the United States God's protecting all of his people so our struggle is not really against government 
it's not against City Hall. It's against the powers behind. Now, all these powers were meant for our good. But they've rebelled. There are powers behind the powers. The world system is twisted. So all of even our good things. Law enforcement is a good thing. Healthcare is a good thing. Education is a good thing, but it easily gets twisted to be self-serving. Churches get twisted so that they're self-serving. All of us are twisted so that we're self-serving. But our systems and our institutions are as well. We are struggling against the world. Society and culture against Christ. You know, in Scripture, there are governments that are promoting what God's doing in the world, and there are governments that are saying, well, the church can do that, but we are, just want you to know, we're equal to or above whatever God's doing, whatever God's people are doing. And you can see that in our world today. Governments that are, you know, that's fine, churches, just make sure you follow the codes. Um, the flesh, the sinful nature... I am plagued by a sinful... I got good news for you. You have an enemy. Is that good news? When you're like, what, what is wrong with me? Why do I keep doing that stupid thing? Remember, you have an enemy. Who is tempting you? Who is deceiving you? Who is accusing you? And accusing everybody else. So that when you get in trouble, well, it's their fault and... The accuser, the deceiver, the enemy, he's out there. They're after you. But you have somebody on your side. The creator of it all. The devil, satanic forces are real. The powers and principalities, demons, they're real. And they love us to be ignoring them. They're not doing any of this. Or they'd love us to be totally focused on them. But we got to be doing what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be fighting the battle and lifting up our arms and, and praying. We have to be doing it all. So, again, sometimes you can swing to either extreme of that even, right? Sometimes we're just out doing it. We don't have any time to pray. We got it. And other times we, we're just praying we're just prayer walking you know we walking right by the people we could talk to or meet but we're just praying walk prayer walking you know um it's not all spiritual all food. we got to be doing it together but it's all yahweh whether you're swinging the sword or you're praying it's all about his battle so what can we do meditate on yahweh remember your stories our stories of protection do you remember did you even notice when God protected you? When God provided for you? When God delivered you? If you don't have enough of your own stories, talk to some other folks here. I've heard some of their stories. They got some great stories of time, especially the older folks around here. We've got a little more time to collect them, but not just the older folks. People have seen God do stuff. We have to remember them. You know, keep a journal. Write things down so that, you know, when we were looking for a house, I had to go back and think, okay, what did God do every other time we needed a house? And even though it was 
I had to remember that. Well, surely God will do it this time. And he did. When you need protection, when you need whatever, remember that. And go through scriptures. Sing songs with David. Um, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? But it's much better if you sing it. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Get it in your head. The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. David had a lot of battles. He figured out who his real weapon, his real refuge was. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right paths, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into the hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm here in the land of the living. Um, the Lord is my strength and shield. 28. I trust in him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. The Lord gives his people strength. He's a safe fortress for his anointed king. Save your people. Um, I, I was just praying throughout 31. Oh, Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me for you. Do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I'll be safe. You're my rock and my fortress for the honor of your name. Lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap of my enemies set for me, for I find protection in you alone. So, um, 34, I prayed to the Lord and he answered me, he freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. It's all through there. You could read that, you could sing that, or you could listen to the news. Or better yet, listen to the news while you're singing that. As soon as you listen to the news, sing that over the news you just listened to. Pray that over the situation in Ethiopia, the situation in Korea, whatever's going on. Pray that God lift your hands up and put it over the situation you just heard about. If you listen to the news without prayer, you're going to end up in fear. I don't care which news channel you listen to. You're going to end up afraid. They know that that sells. They know that keeps you riveted to their station. So they love to give you things to be afraid of. But pray over it. Okay. But some of you are saying, but God sometimes allows attacks on his people. Oh, yeah, there is that. But we're done, right? Um, sometimes people get hurt. People get beat up. People have problems. We got to deal with But, you know, Jesus, remember Jesus at Gethsemane? I, I think he was afraid. He was really having a hard time. And he was calling out to God. But, you know, one of the things he said was, don't you realize I could call legions? How many legions did he say? 10,000 legions? I could call 10,000 armies, battalions to protect me. 
It wasn't a matter of God wasn't able to protect Jesus. It was that God allowed it for his purpose. Yeshua was going to deliver us in a different way. And sometimes God allows us to go through tough things, hard, painful things. You look at the stuff Paul went through. I think Paul probably starting out thought, well, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't do that to me. Didn't always work for him. Sometimes it helped out. But Paul lists all the things he went through. Paul says this, but if we are to share Jesus' glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he'll reveal to us later. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Read the whole chapter. Um, but Romans 8 is great. He, Paul, though, where, where did he end up? All that stuff, he ended up in jail. That's right. He ended up cold, no friends, in a jail. Paul's last words, the end of 2 Timothy, writing to his son in the faith. Calls talks about his court case in Rome. First time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. All the nations are going to hear, even if it's in a courtroom. And he rescued me from certain death. Paul was sure he was going to be killed. At that court hearing, God rescued him. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Paul gives a few greetings, and that's the last we hear from Paul. He gets his head chopped off. But he was safe. He's protected. He's waiting in the heavenly kingdom for you to get there if you trust who he trusted if you trust Yahweh if you trust Yeshua if you trust Jesus but you know there's a lot of gods we can turn to for protection this sermon made me think through how many other things I depend on to protect me. I thought protection was an easy one. Probably because I haven't gone through the experiences some of you guys have gone through. And probably didn't fear it so much. Probably just out of naivety. But I realize that it's partially because I depend on other gods. Partially that I depend on Yahweh. Who do you depend on for protection, for provision? It's a scary world. Yes, it's true. but he's a big God. Yahweh protects his people. That's the message, remember? So I just had to fill this time in between, you know, so you could remember that. Remember, Yahweh protects his people. He protects you. So what can we do? Trust God, not other gods. Don't fear. I know that's easier said than done. I know personally. <laughs> but do not fear because you can trust God. Remember, with journals, conversations, symbols, altars, whatever works for you. You remember the patriarchs built those altars? 
Here they're building an altar to remember. Now the next altars and the rest of Exodus are going to be sacrificial altars, but they're going to be, again, remembering, even when they do sacrifices. Meditate, read, sing the good news, even after you've watched the other news. Praise, thanks, pray. Remember to praise God for who he is. Thank him for all the ways he's protected and provided for you. Notice those things. Nobody else is going to help you. Nobody's Read your history books. They're not going to help you figure out what God was really doing there. The news is not going to help you. Your friends are not going to help you. They're all going to whine about this, that, and the other, right? So you're going to have to take charge. Maybe we can help each other. But you're going to have to take charge of focusing on what God's doing and praying about what God needs to do. This is a year of increasing trust. Protection is something I sort of thought I had a handle on until I really started looking at the scripture. <laughs> um, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we need you. You are the one who wins the battle. You have showed us through the stories and the messages and the songs in scripture that you are the one who wins the battle. You are the one who protects us. That you are able. You, who is Yahweh? You are the creator. You have all power and you are present with us. God, help us. Please help us to remember that. To depend on you. We're each facing different things, different challenges, different things that we're afraid of. Or different things we're not afraid of, but for the wrong reasons. Lord, please protect us. Protect your people from the evil one. Lord, we pray. Protect us from the evil one. Don't lead us into temptation. Free us from the accuser. Break down the systems that are keeping us in bondage. Break down the things that bring injustice. God, help us to know what we should do in this complicated world. We don't always know what the government should do or what other people should do, but help us individually and as your people to know what we should do. We need you to show us. Lord, we ask, I ask for your protection over your people this week. Ask for your deliverance from sin, from Satan, from society twisting us. Lord, we need your protection from violence, from hunger. And Lord, I pray not only for the people who are here in this building, but we pray for your people all over the world facing persecution, difficulty, and challenges of various kinds. Protect your people, Jesus. We trust you. We believe you can do it. We believe you are doing it. We thank you for protecting us. The worship team would come. I don't know where you're at today.
But I want you to think about what you started with. What are you afraid of? What are you not afraid of and why? Bring that to God. Ask him to protect you. Provide for you. Deliver you. Forgive you for trusting other things, other gods. Lord, we, we come to you as a weak people. We don't have authority or power or ability to do this. We got ourselves in a stick, but you are able. That's why we pray to you. That's why we depend on you because you are able to defeat those things that sometimes defeat us. Those things that we're scared will defeat us. Those things we need protection from. Protect us, Lord. Thank you that you take it personally to protect us and to lead us into your eternal kingdom. We pray for others who are concerned about that you would protect them and lead them into your eternal kingdom too. Amen. Now in the name of the Father, who created it all, who loves you. In the name of Jesus, who gave himself for you. In the name of the Spirit, who goes with you. Go forth into your battlefield, protected by Yahweh. Amen. We're going to sing one song as we close. If you want to come and pray, we've had some good prayer times here. There'll be people here to pray with you. There's some specifically you want prayer for. Um, we're going to sing a song that we started our year of increasing trust with. And it's a song that God told Joshua when he got to be in charge. So we're to sing that. Be bold. All right, let's march out of here to our world.